Hi, everyone, and welcome to the BPD Bravery Show. Today's guest is Jennifer May, a licensed clinical psychologist who has spent over two decades working with people struggling with BPD, post-traumatic stress disorder, complex and developmental trauma, serious and persistent mental illnesses, substance abuse, and legal issues. She currently is the coordinator of the DBT program at Pilgrim Psychiatric Center in West Brentwood, New York. She's been in the podcast before, and our listeners absolutely loved it. We will be discussing how to deal with the challenges that come up during the holiday season. And I truly feel honored for having her on the podcast again. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hi, and welcome to the BPD Bravery Show, where we discuss tips, strategies, struggles, triumphs, and success stories related to borderline personality disorder. Here is your host, Faye Green. What do you think a person can do? Now, first of all, those who are home alone, and sometimes it's easier to be home alone than be with certain family members. Sometimes it's better. You know, if you think about it, like it maybe it's not ideal to be alone, but if you had to choose that over being with some people that really make you uncomfortable or ask you annoying questions like, why are you still single? Or when are you having a kid? Are you getting a job yet? You know, maybe you don't love dealing with that. Or maybe you're facing people that you still have resentments toward or that make you kind of anxious. So sometimes being home alone isn't always that bad compared to that. That's true. It's not as stylish as doing the big celebration with family deal, but has its purpose. What what happens when loneliness kicks in? That's hard because loneliness is sort of like when you're by yourself, but you wish you were with people. You're unhappy by yourself. Whereas like solitude is when you're by yourself, but you're okay with it and you're enjoying your own company. And you can't always control whether you're going to feel like the pleasant solitude when you're home alone, or if you're going to feel that deep loneliness, I guess, you you know, it's just remember too, like put it in perspective, like it's one day, it's Thanksgiving, it's 24 hours, and maybe I could just do the best I can with it. Maybe you do a, like a cope ahead plan, as they might say in DBT, like, all right, so how am I going to plan out my day by myself in a way that won't be so bad? You want to watch a parade in the morning with a cup of coffee? And if it's not so bad outside, take a walk or prepare a meal that you like where no one has to watch you and how much you eat or how much you don't eat. Or maybe um, there's, a, there's some book you like to read or a movie you like to watch. You know, they usually start playing Home Alone and things <laughs> on TV or this fun stuff on TV. Or maybe there's someone you can call that you want to talk to. So there could be ways to plan it out so it's not too bad. And if you pile it up, enough things in your day before you know it you made it to to evening and you're almost there Um, i i have a thought Mm. i should have done that but i didn't do it in the years that i was home alone lonely you know like Mm. wanting to be with others not having um whom to spend thanksgiving with volunteering they have those um kitchens or those places that provide meals thanksgiving meals Mm -hmm. for people who do not have food Mm-hmm. And I should have done that. Like now that I'm thinking mm-hmm. about it, why didn't I volunteer? Because it's not only will you not be alone, but you feel like you're giving to others. Yeah, exactly. You feel like less self-pity when you're you're doing something positive, you know, and you realize like, well, at least maybe I have enough to eat. These people don't. And you kind of 
you know, make a comparison and makes you more grateful and thankful for, for what you do have. Yeah, at least I have a roof over my head and some yeah. people don't, right? Yeah. For me, I, I made my own customs kind of, sort of. Well, that's um, a good idea. <laughs> it was only after I got a fluffy that we would. Oh, fluffy. Yeah. Um, Does anyone know what Fluffy is from your podcast? Or? Yeah, he he's the one that barks a lot sometimes. Yeah, in the background. <laughs> Those who listen to the podcast know who Fluffy is. Well, since I got him, we what we do is and we do that a lot, even when it's not Thanksgiving or a hot special day. We go on hikes a lot, oh, but nice. we start the day with the hike, mm-hmm. and then we take. I I would order food. There is a place that would sell. They call it single plates for Thanksgiving. So oh, great. Yeah, it's awesome. It's a bar that makes special food for Thanksgivings and for Thanksgiving. And you can order how many plates you want. Really, it started out because during COVID, so many people were home alone. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. And they wanted they wanted Thanksgiving food, but they didn't want to cook the whole thing just for one person. Uh so we'd pick up a plate and we'd both share it. So yeah, that was our uh, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I bet you know. I mean, I know people probably listen to you from all over. I bet there's local restaurants in other places as well that do similar things, and or maybe even diners, and you could take a plate home or or go sit at a counter somewhere, or you know, plate of Thanksgiving like food, and yeah, it sounds like a fun thing to do. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. But I, I like the idea of what you said too about like creating your own tradition. And sometimes, you know, like it, it feels good to like not do what you did with your family where there may be some, you know, difficult memories back at that time and to kind of strike out and do something completely different or slightly different. That's what you created for you. Mm-hmm. Now, I can't say that I'm always going to keep up that mm-hmm. my own tradition or whatever, because this year I'm planning to have a meal with mm-hmm. friends. Um, mm-hmm. I was invited somewhere um, and I'm super grateful. So mm-hmm. it's not every year. So sometimes things get better and you don't need to have those coping skills in place. Yeah. And some years are maybe even worse. And you do like, for example, last year between Christmas and New Year's, I was not doing well. My life situation wasn't well. Nothing in life was that well. And I was trying to incorporate some, again, the hikes that we do, mm-hmm. nothing really helped. Everything just, it was a bad situation mm-hmm. all in all, and no amount of coping strategies that I tried to include in my day really worked. So sometimes there's that. What would you say to someone who's really struggling? And it's difficult for them to have coping strategies or to go through with it. Like you could write it down on paper. I've realized a lot of times you make a, a strategy, write it down on paper, but then when it comes to actually implementing it, well, that's the hard part. <laughs> like, you know, there's a lot of people, um, I don't know if people really know, but I work in a psychiatric hospital and I run the DBT program there. And, you know, we have people come in and say, Oh, I've taken DBT before and I know the skills and this and that. But just the knowing of what the coping strategies are is only one small step. It's like being willing to try them, knowing when you need to do it, knowing what to do, you know, actually putting it into action, you know, evaluating how it went, maybe trying it differently the next time. Like all that stuff, it takes a lot of work and it's not easy Um, and it takes time to figure, figure it out for yourself. So don't beat yourself up if it didn't go as well as as you thought. 
I mean, you do the best you can to cope on the holidays, but it may not be perfect. I mean, I think it's a lot of radical acceptance that this day may be just not that great this year, but hopefully there'll be another better day in the future and this won't last forever and um, I'll survive it. But I guess the idea is to try not to do anything that's going to make it worse. Um, and I think grief sometimes also plays a role in the difficulty coping in the holidays, just to put that out there, that it could be a difficult time remembering family members and friends that aren't with you. And, you know, I think like sometimes it's almost like I, I, I can't take it and I got to act out and do this and that because the pain is so great. And I know that comes up for people, um, especially, you know, on like a BBD uh, forum that people might relate to that. And I guess I, what might help to turn it around is to think, well, if this person was still here, you know, how would I want them to see me? Would I want them to see me having a terrible day or would I want them to see me trying my best? Would I want them to try to, would I want them to be proud of me and, and what I'm trying to accomplish, even if it's not perfect? And sometimes like that can motivate you in their honor to have the best holiday you can. Because I think sometimes too, it's almost like, well, it's not fair for me to have a good time because they're not still here. And then you, it's almost like you, you don't allow yourself to have fun because it's almost like dishonoring the person that passed away. But you're still allowed to have fun in their honor and and, and toast them with an alcoholic or non-alcoholic beverage, whatever floats your boat and say, well, you know what, in your honor, I'm gonna have a good day and I wish you were here and maybe you're somewhere too and you're having a good time. Hey there, Warriors. Before we dive into our episode today, I wanted to take a moment to give a special shout out to our wonderful sponsor, HopeForBPD.com. If you've been a part of this journey, you know that I don't just bring you stories and expert advice. I also am on the lookout for resources that can make your journey with BPD more manageable and more hopeful. Hope for BPD is that resource, a beacon of hope. Whether you're personally affected by BPD or you're supporting a loved one through their journey, this platform is here to assist you in every step of the way. Hope for BPD provides confidential and compassionate treatment consultation, information and research about evidence-based treatments, ongoing solution-focused and non-judgmental support for individuals with BPD and family members, and so much more. BPD isn't something you have to face alone or in the dark. So visit their website at hopeforbpd.com to learn more about their services and find that glimmer of hope you've been looking for. Because remember, no matter how tough it gets, there's always hope. And now back to our show. Thanks for bringing up the non-alcoholic versus alcoholic beverage. Now, what about someone who has, who used to drink, who doesn't drink anymore, or who's trying to quit drinking? Now they're surrounded by friends or family members. And sometimes it's friends that like kind of pressure you into drinking, try Mm -hmm. to coach you into having a drink. Do you have any strategies for people who are um, I think, yeah, I mean, this, this comes up quite a bit. You know, I've been working with people who have addictions for quite a while. And I think one strategy is to know where you're going. So if you know in advance, you might be with people that are drinking, you got to decide first if that's really the right place for me to go. And then if you say yes, there's also things you could put in place to maybe keep your temptation down. So maybe there's a friend you can go with that will be sober with you that you could stick by that'll be a support for you that kind of knows what you're going through. If you have that the right kind of relationship with the other people, you could always talk to them and say, listen, like, I'm not going to be drinking today. Just please don't offer it to me. I, I, it's okay if you drink, that's your business, but like, please don't tempt me more than necessary. Cause I'm, I, it's important for me to be sober in my recovery. 
And a lot of people will respect that. I mean, some people won't, but some people really will. And I do have some clients that I see that have family that that are very supportive of their recovery because they know like how much they struggled and and they are okay with, you know, supporting them and not drinking on a holiday or, or any other time really. Um, but you have to know yourself. You have to make a wise decision based on your needs. Like if it's too tempting even to be around other people drinking, maybe it's better to plan something else or go to, or have breakfast with people where they're more likely to have coffee instead of go, go in the evening when they're more likely to have alcohol. So there's different things you could do. Um, you could also, you know, if, if you didn't think there was going to be alcohol, but then all of a sudden there was, maybe you could have a strategy in advance of a, of an exit you can make if it's too much to stay, you know, mm-hmm. like someone advance, you know, I'm also invited to this other party. So I might have to leave at a certain time and all of a sudden pretend your phone went off and say, Oh, I got to go, <laughs> you know, or whatever the excuse is. So you need an out sometimes if you're not sure if you're going to make it through the whole thing. So that's another thing to consider. And I think one more thing important to just remind people, those of you who do drink and, um, myself included, I try not to drink too much, but I do have a drink uh, once in a while to not pressure others into drinking. If someone says they don't want to drink, just let it go. Of course, offer some water, you know, um, I don't know, or Pepsi, whatever it is that you got in the house, juice, even if you want to drink, you don't need to have the other person, um, a drink with you. I'm right now I'm sitting with friends and it's really sweet of them. They'll offer, but they're don't feel pressure. Like, Oh, you don't want to drink. Like, there's absolutely no pressure. There's to- it's totally fine for me to be the only one not drinking. Right. And I feel comfortable with it. And I think that is important for those of us who do drink to allow others to feel to be as comfortable as we are with drinking mm-hmm. should be with just not drinking. Right. Or let's say if it's smoking weed or whatever, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it could be anything. Just if you want to do it, it's your life, right? You're an adult, but and it's your house, if it's your house, right? But don't pressure someone else to do what you're doing just because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great point. And, um, you know, sometimes it's like people don't mean it. They're just trying to be nice and trying to be a good host and say, hey, why don't you, why don't you have some? You know, but uh, sometimes even even offering could be a lot for somebody. So, you know, try to be respectful of your guests, I guess you could say, right? Yeah, if you know that they're um, sober, yeah. then definitely, yeah, of course. Right, right. But again, like if you're the one trying to stay sober, know where you're going. Like if you know it's going to be a house full of weed smoke and it's going to be overwhelming for you and that's not the good place to go, then maybe see if you could go someplace else or or pick something different to do. I think it touched on something really important. What about, it doesn't have to be with just being sober or anything. What about someone who struggles with certain like eating habits? Yeah, that's a big deal on the holidays. Right? Don't force someone to eat or... And don't even comment on what's on somebody's plate or if they left food or, you know, if they're eating in a funny way, like cutting up things in small pieces or taking a long time to eat. Like what what they're doing with their food is really none of your business, even if you're the host. So I would just say nothing because it really can make people feel very self-conscious. Um, now, I don't personally have an eating disorder, but I mean, I could think of sometimes, you know, that people commented on things on my plate or said, wow, you sure took a lot from the buffet. Like, you know, it's like, you know, shut up, man. Like, you know, it's really none of your business. Like, it's kind of a a little too personal of a comment most of the time. So I would just say nothing. And you never know why a person does it. I personally have, when I have panic attacks, Mm. I'm afraid to eat. 
or yeah. if I feel like a panic attack is coming on, or if I've had some in the past, in in the recent like past, I'll, I'll be afraid to eat, especially in public. It's going to be difficult for me to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, so if someone would start pushing me to eat, that would probably escalate things. Yeah, to yeah. a point that they do not even want to know about because mm-hmm. I don't want to go into a panic attack, you know, in front of other people. Um, so you really never know why a person is not eating. Right. What if they're just really nauseous that day? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's another thing that I could relate to a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't know. I'm I get nauseous very easily. Mm-hmm. Anything could trigger it. Trigger it. Just um, even just smelling someone smoke cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And I I smoke myself, but anything could trigger it. And so you really don't know why it's. Be mindful of others, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, mindfulness is the key to it all, man. You know, like, and I think mindfulness of the things like that in social situations and just kind of like really considering these different topics could be helpful. Now, what if you are in a tricky situation with, let's say, your family, right? You've yeah. gone, maybe you shouldn't have, maybe you had no way out, maybe the way out was really difficult, and you, or you might be living with your family. Mm hmm. And things start start heating up, whether it's someone commenting on what you wear, uh, what you did do, did not do. How do you cope then? I mean, it's a hard one. And I think it kind of depends on a situation to situation basis. It's hard to say like, like an overall blanket solution. But I mean, maybe just, you know, remember like the things that could happen based on your history with the family that you're with. And, you know, try not to make things any bigger than they have to be. Um, There might be certain things that they say that you want to just ignore, or maybe certain pat comments you could give just to close the subject down. They may not really love you saying it, but you might be like, you know what, I don't really want to get into why I didn't have a kid yet. (laughs) You know, like, you know, it's the holidays. Let's talk about something different. Okay, guys, you know, or um, yeah, don't worry. I'm working on getting a job. I'll I'll get back to you guys. I'll let you know when I get a job. (laughs) You're going to have to keep asking me. So there might be certain ways to shut certain things down, but um, try to keep your distance if people get a little overwhelming. So, you know, find ways to step out if you need to, or, to, you know, use the bathroom even if you don't have to, or look at your phone or get some fresh air or like shift to talking to a different person who's a little safer so that, or go in the kitchen and help put the dishes away to get away from the table. There might be like subtle ways to, put a space between yourself and certain other people that might make you uncomfortable. If you can, I mean, I know it's not always easy to do that, but again, like without knowing a specific situation, it's hard for me to give like blanket advice, but I would just try to think of that. And another thing I would suggest too, if you want to, is that um, if you've ever heard of Nedra Glover Tawab, she has like some, a nice social media presence. And she also has a couple of books out about setting boundaries. And it's very like down to earth and practical advice. And I, I, I saw a seminar with her not too long ago and her speak for a few hours. And I really liked her a lot. I was pretty impressed by the kinds of things she was saying. And I was thinking, wow, like, you know, I think a lot of people could use that. That's probably why she's so popular. Um, but you could go check her out and, um, you know, even on social media. And she has like mm-hmm. little memes with like advice and different things that you might like. But, you know, do the best you can. And if it's not perfect, figure out a coping plan for later and the feelings that might be left over. So let's say, all right, you were with your family for a few hours. It was kind of rough. Now you left and maybe there's a friend you could call. 
or maybe there's something else you could do to decompress when you get home, like listen to music and exercise or take a shower or watch a movie, like do something just to try to get your head out of it afterwards and plan that ahead of time so that you know there's something better to look forward to when you leave. And to try not to let it get to you too much if you can. Like it's not personal, like they have their own stuff too and might be their own issues that are leading them to act in the way they're acting. So I wouldn't take it to heart too much. You know, try to create some distance if you can and uh, clear your head <laughs> when you're done if you can. Yeah, and the good thing is that we all do have phones to use as either distractions or to just, let's say, if you need to just have people think that you're busy with something, right? Um, so you could just pretend, you could just text a friend, could you please, you know, text me mm -hmm. or call me or something? Yeah. Distract me and get me away from here. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for me, with being with family is really difficult. Mm. Extremely, I I can't I can't be there all day. If I'm there a couple of hours, it's already before I mm. even arrive. I already want to leave <laughs> this way. So I do. I prepare beforehand. I prepare myself. I know that it's going to be difficult. I know that I might be in a bad mood when I leave. Um, in fact, the last time I went to see them, I woke up in a bad mood and I thought, you know what? I'm already in a bad mood. I might as well go see them because at least <laughs> I can't get too much worse. Yeah, yeah. But you could also, I, one of the things I was thinking of when you were talking is if you know it's hard, like try to set it so you're not there too long because yeah. maybe there's a way to cut it shorter and be like, okay, I'll stay for dinner, but then I'm heading to someone else's house and you know, then you're leaving a little early if you can so you don't stay for dessert. But you know, dragging it out for like six hours sometimes is just like way too much. First, we're having the dinner and then we're watching football for hours and then we're playing a game and then we're having dessert and then people are getting drunk. And it's like, oh, no, like what, what did I get myself into here? You know, so uh, putting a, a time cap on it might be useful. Another one thing that's for those of, of us who can do it, instead of going with friends to a family's house or to a friend's house, if we know that the situation might get little bit tricky or what we might want to leave for me having my car there mm -hmm. so i can leave at any yes. moment yeah don't carpool with someone and be trapped there yeah uh, there drove you an hour away to some random person's house and now you can't get out even though you're having a terrible time mm -hmm. uh, yeah i think i'll be i'll take my own car if i can you know like that's <laughs> i've learned that i've learned that lesson the hard way because mm -hmm. i did not drive and i would go with friends one friend would drive and everyone would go along and then I'd, I'd be having a terrible time mm -hmm. and yeah. you're stuck. I know. The driver. <laughs> yeah, try not to be trapped if you can. That's another good piece of advice, though, definitely. Because like, uh, you know, make sure you have the Uber app all set to go on your phone so you can take an Uber home if, if you don't, you know, feel like staying. Just have some kind of way to, to get out of there if you can. You know what I think related to that is sometimes we have to give ourselves permission to leave. There might be a part of us that kicks in that feels guilty for leaving or, oh, they're going to be mad at me or they're going to make me feel bad. And so I better just stay, even though it's not something I'm comfortable doing. But sometimes, you know, it's worth making them a little unhappy because it's much better for you. You got to take care of yourself because otherwise mm -hmm. who's going to take care of you, right? Right. Yeah, and you'll be in a better position to be there for your family when you are taking care of yourself. Like if you feel too overwhelmed by them or too overwhelmed by staying too long, like you're not going to be a great sister, daughter, brother, whoever, anyway, like you're going to be not your best. So it's good to take care of yourself. I have to keep that in mind. <laughs>
I think we all have to remind ourselves of these (laughs) kind of universal like mantras we got to like keep putting back in our head. Do you have any other tips for, Mm. I guess, the holiday season, being with family, friends? Um, I guess just like monitor expectations. So I think, you know, when we watch specials on TV and the movies about holidays, I mean, sometimes (laughs) they show dysfunctional families. That's, that is true. I think they're, you know, that's coming out more and more, but like, you know, the classic vision is like a happy big family that's all together and everybody's there having a good time and this beautiful scenery and food and perfect everything. And I think we can't get caught up with that's the only and one right way to do a holiday that there's many different variations of that. And just because I'm not doing that perfect thing, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong. And, you know, just because I'm alone, it's not wrong, or just because I'm single, or just because my family's a little dysfunctional, or I'm at a friend's house instead of a family member's house, or whatever it happens to be, it's okay to be having your situation. It doesn't have to be the ideal situation in order for it to be okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Faye. Thank you so much for joining us on today's BPD Bravery Show. If you've enjoyed it, then like, share, and subscribe if you haven't already. Make sure to tune into our show every Monday and Friday. And remember, you are so much more than your BPD.